Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. As I said, we're starting a new series, Unity Through Diversity, and I've titled today's message, It Takes All Sorts. Who knows, it's no secret that that I like licorice all sorts. And I said this year, it wasn't Christmas until I actually had a licorice all sort. So today there's going to be a reminder, a a visual cue for you today. There's this packet here that Rochelle, Pastor Rochelle is going to distribute around. If you like licorice all sorts today, you're quite welcome to have one of these licorice all sorts. I've licked every single one of them. Um, No, I haven't really. Um, But there's going to be a visual reminder after the service too out in our gathering hub. Because at the end of the day, it takes all sorts for us. So enjoy those this morning. But don't be distracted away from the word today. I want to start this morning with a quick story about three people. Three people from different parts of the country passed away at the same time. All were met at the gates by St. Peter. The first was an architect from Sydney. And Peter said, St. Peter said, you've built beautiful buildings and served men on earth. But before you come in, you have to pass one small test. He said, spell God. G-O-D, replied the architect. And St. Peter waved him through. The second person to approach was a farmer from Queensland. And Peter looked at him and said, You've served men upon the earth by providing food through the cattle you've raised. But before you come into heaven, just one small test. Spell God. G-O-D, said the farmer. And St. Peter waved him through. The third person was a businesswoman from Melbourne. St. Peter said, You've served the world of commerce, but before you come in, you'll have to pass one small test. At this, the woman interrupted, Oh, come on, St. Peter. I've had to fight every promotion I've ever received. I've had to take lower pay for the same job as male colleagues. And I've been continually harassed by bosses and peers just because I'm a woman. And now here I am and you're giving me a hard time too. What kind of a test is this? Let's get it over with. St. Peter thought for a moment and then he said, spell Czechoslovakia. Yeah. You know, for the sake of just wanting to reinforce this for us today, you know, it's okay to have a bit of a laugh. It's only a joke. Um, but with, there's so many people that make up this world, so many nations, so many cultures that make up this world. And it's only natural that in the life of the church, we will see people from different cultural backgrounds, people from different family lines, people that have had different life experiences even. And so this is the, the, the body, this is the, the church that Christ has actually created for us. And and it is, at best of times, it can look, it can look like, like we're all a bit of a bit of a motley crew. Do you know what? Like some of us look a little bit different. Some of us, you know, have different preferences. Some of us like certain styles of music. Others of us like, you know, I'd rather not uh, enter into that sort of music. We've all got preferences and we've all got different things that, that, that make us tick and make us who we are. But at the end of the day, Jesus in his and God in his ultimate wisdom has, has decided that all these different people from all these different backgrounds and all these different personalities are going to come together as one. Sounds sort of like an impossible task, doesn't it? But who knows that with God, all things are possible. I want to set the stage for us this morning. The book of Revelation, we're going to start in the last book of the Bible and I'm just going to work through a couple of these scriptures just to highlight the fact that God is into people from very various places. And uh, there's also a subliminal message in here too, see if you pick that up. Uh, Revelation 5, 9 voice. 
Then they sang a new song. You're worthy to receive the scroll to break its seals because you were slain. With your blood, you redeemed for God people from every tribe, every language, people from every race and nation. Revelation 7, 9, New Living Translation. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hand. Revelation 14.6 ESV. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. Revelation 15.14 message. Who can fail to fear you, God? Give glory to your name because you and only, you and only are holy. All nations will come and worship you because they see your judgments are right. Did anyone pick up on more than one connection that I was trying to make in those verses? There was a whole heap of different translations. I shared a whole heap of different translations. Uh, They were all different verses, but different translations. So we see that this variety is not just present in the world. The variety is also present in the Word of God and what translation that we may choose to pick up and read. Some of us have favorite translations. Others say, I don't know why you'd read that translation. It's so far doctrinally wrong. And, and, and like everyone's got their own preference for, for what they read. We have so many different preferences that, that the trick for us is, how does God want us to come together and be united? See, has it ever occurred to you that the ultimate home for every believer, i.e. heaven, is going to be filled with people that are different from you. (laughs) Let that sink in for a bit. (laughs) That's what Revelation, John in Revelation just told us, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. I don't know about you, but I I find myself in, in, in society at times, and there's certain people that rub me the wrong way. There's certain cultures that can be quite aggressive, certain other cultures that can be quite passive, yet yet God says, I'm going to bring everybody from every tribe and every nation, and they're going to gather and they're going to be in this place together. And so one of the things I've got to ask myself is if I'm having challenges now living in this world, if I'm having challenges now within the body of Christ, what things should I maybe start working on now? And, and we could say, okay, it's going to be fine when you go to glory, you know, we'll have new bodies and, 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 and all that. But, but I wonder whether the Holy Spirit wants us to work on some prejudices and some things that we have hanging off our life today. I believe he does. In the Old Testament book, and we go right back to the first book of the Bible, which is the book of Genesis, God established a very special and unique relationship with a man who was called Abram, but later called Abraham. And God made a promise to Abraham, and he said that through you and through your descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And whilst we we can read the Old Testament and we we follow the journey of Israel and, and, and the way that they split, and you had a northern tribe and a southern tribe, and, and there was dissension and there was division, ultimately it was God's plan that this blessed people would be a shining light to other nations. And I I can see that there's a parallel with that as the church today in being a beacon to those that don't know Jesus, those that are far away from Jesus to draw them near. 
The Bible says that as people see our love for one another, that they will know that we are Jesus' disciples, right? And so the world will know that we belong to something that's pretty special. And this was God's plan, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well. And I just want to I just want us to, to think about this this morning and let the, 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 the ramifications of, of the decisions that we make and the attitudes that we hold towards each other just to sink in a little bit today and maybe a, a good time for some self-reflection, myself included. See, God's intention for Israel and, and through, through Moses later when he established a covenant with those people was that God gave them the laws, God gave them the commandments that they would have uh, be able to have a right relationship with God, that they would be in, in covenant with God and they can walk with God in such a way that, that they would be in a right relationship. And he also gave them, you know, instructions on how to deal with other people. If this happens, if someone does this, if someone does that, you know, so many uh, issues about, you know, not moving ancient boundary markers and so many ways to live in this world in a peaceful way with those other people. Yet we know that the story of Israel, uh, it wasn't the case. And they, they didn't, they didn't honour God. They didn't worship God alone. And that was lost on the other nations, I believe. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, it says this, Every nation on the earth will be blessed through your descendants, and I'll do this because you obey me. That was God's promise to Abraham. We can come and have a look at the New Testament now. And there's an amazing encounter that takes place for a couple of people. One of them is the, is the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter, and, uh, and another guy by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius lived in Caesarea, and he was, he was a guy that, that was a Gentile. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts 10 that, that Cornelius was a God-fearing man. He was a man that feared God, but he didn't just fear God. He worshipped God, as did his whole household. And he was also very generous to the poor as well. And so Cornelius was a man that was, had all these right attributes and everything. He was devout and he was wanting to have a connection with God. And yet, yet God was wanting this, this, this man to have this experience through his son, Jesus Christ. And so what happens is Peter, he's away. It's, a, it's a, the afternoon and he decides to go up on the roof while the meal's being prepared and he, he has a little nap, goes into a trance and all of a sudden a, a sheet comes down from heaven and it's got on top of it a whole heap of different animals that are unclean for Jewish people to partake of, reptiles and creeping things and all sorts of stuff that you shouldn't touch. Don't go near that stuff. And, and the Lord speaks and says, Peter, kill and eat. And he's, he's like totally detest. It's like, I, I can't defile myself. I've, I'm, not, I'm not that sort of person that's going to make myself unclean before you. And this same vision happens three times. Prior to this, Cornelius, he's, he's back there in Caesarea and, and he's having this vision of, of a man named Simon Peter. And he's, he's, go and get this man. Send messages to get this man. And just as, as Peter wakes up from this third experience of the sheet coming down again, these messengers come from Caesarea to Joppa. And here we have this opportunity now for Peter to say, will I or won't I go with these men? Because at the end of the day, 
I've, I've been a Jewish man and I, I've, I've held myself in, in, in a place of esteem before my God and I've done my best to, to uh, you know, follow all the laws and the statutes and, and to abstain from unclean things. And Peter takes this opportunity to go with these men and speak to Cornelius' household. And it says this in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34 to 36. It says, Peter began to speak. He said, I really understand now that God does not consider some people to be better than others. Isn't that good news? (laughs) That God doesn't consider some people to be better than others. He accepts anyone who worships him and does what is right. It's not important what nation they come from. God has spoken to the people of Israel. He sent them the good news that peace has come through Jesus Christ, the Lord of some people. No, that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, the Lord of all people. See, this gospel, it's not exclusive. It's not just for some people. This, this gospel, this message, this, this life was intended for nations. It was intended for many different people. We might be able to extend uh, what Peter was talking about there in Acts today and say something like this. It doesn't matter what family, town, or dare I say it, denominational background you've come from. I'm so pleased that, that heaven's not going to be this part for the Catholics and this part for INC and this part for, you know, ACC and this part for the Presbyterians. That we're going to be one. And Jesus' heart, God's heart, was that the the children of Israel would be one. Just as God, the Father, and the Spirit, and the Son are one. So too that that we would dwell in a place of unity together. See, I believe that if diversity is God's doing, we can't afford to let it become our undoing. If this idea that God has of bringing different peoples together people that have different preferences that I have, people that have different attitudes towards certain things in society that I have, people that have no filter. You know any of those? All these various people, God has designed for diversity to be part of who we are. And so for each one of us as as members, fellow members, brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got to do well to continue in that unity that the Spirit has established for our lives. And it's not always an easy thing to do, but nonetheless, we're encouraged to be people that work at living in unity. Remember, it takes all sorts. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul, whilst being a prisoner, he said, As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, live a life that is worthy of the calling he has graciously extended to you. See, when we think about this life that is worthy of the calling, that Jesus has graciously, that God has graciously extended towards each one of us. See, none of us deserve to be in this place. None of us can earn a position. No one, as the Word has already told us, is better than the next person. God, by His grace, has, has allowed us to come into His family. Now, part is not to become a closed family, but to be a family that is open, a family that is willing to lay down our own ideals, to lay down our own preferences for other people. You see, that is 
totally at odds with the culture that we live in in this world. This culture says it's all about me, myself, and I. Not about laying down my life. Not about opening my hand and giving and more will come in. See, that is such a countercultural thought. To open your hand and give something away and expect something to come back again or know that something's going to come back again. Yet, yet we live in a culture that says, no, if I, if, I wanna, if I want more, I've got to hold more. I've got to retain more. You see, this culture is a countercultural culture to the kingdom of heaven. We're told here that the way that we are to live is to live by walking in unity. Paul goes on to say, verse 2, be humble. Be gentle, be patient, tolerate one another in an atmosphere, I love the way this voice puts it, thick with love. Make every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit has already created with peace binding you together. I like the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson and he said, a great man is always willing to be little. A great man is always willing to be little. How many times have you found in your life that there's been every opportunity for you to rise up and for you to defend yourself even and and for you to, to make a name for yourself and yet the Holy Spirit has nudged on the inside of your life and said, let that go. You don't have to. You don't have to engage in. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to swipe back just because someone's swiped at you. How about you, how about you speak uh, a word of love how about you speak a word of encouragement wow now i don't know about you but i've been in situations where i've taken the former and not the latter and the latter is is never pretty the latter is always something that gets quite messy and contorted and ugly but i wish i wish that that i just listened to the holy spirit's voice straight up and thought I don't, I don't have to respond that way. It's a, it's a decision that I have to whether I, whether I swipe back at this person or whether I just let that one go. We need to be willing to be humble. The etymology of that word, humility, means to come down very low. Actually, in the Latin, it means humus, which is like dirt. It's like to come so low that, that you are down at ground level. There's something about being able to come lower and then the holy spirit allowing something else to come higher within us i want us to look this morning just at three keys to helping us to walk in humility with one another and to also have unity together and the first one is don't major on the minors don't major on the minors put simply there are things that matter and there are things that really don't matter there are things that, that really matter that we need to talk about and have constructive conversation around. And there are other things that really at the end of the day don't matter. Yet we can allow those things to come in and, and to irritate us. The way that person, you know, dresses or the way that person says this. And, 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 and my appraisal is that they've got an attitude. And, and there's this and there's that. And, and we, can, we can, oh, honestly, in our heads, we can just do so many mental gymnastics about things that really at the end of the day don't really matter at all. Yet those are the things that have the potential to cause great division and to cause people to feel that 
that they've been betrayed or, or that there's, there's something, there's a trust that's been, you know, uh, worked against. Yet as, as the body of Christ, I believe that we need to be able to engage in good conversation with each other and to be able to sit down around a table and have honest conversation where that, that respect is reciprocated by the other person. But we've got to be so careful that we don't let the small things take away from the most important things. The second thing is we need to bear with one another in love. In our relationships with each other, the Holy Spirit's encouraging us to be people that can bear with one another in love. And that's no easy task. It takes a lot of effort for us to be able to stick with it. Because sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but I just feel like quitting. Like I'm done. I've, I've been doing this for so long and, and, and nothing's ever come back. It doesn't matter whether anything comes back your way. Think about Job for a minute. Uh, we're just working our way through the book of Job at the moment in Bible in one year. And boy, oh boy, yeah, these friends didn't have too many positive things to say about his situation. But he remained steadfast. He wasn't going to allow himself to be dissuaded. He was a man that would bear through all things. And I believe that that love is always the hero ingredient in our life. And, and the Apostle Paul talks, talks about that in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often something that's spoken at weddings a lot. Um, but we, we must not allow our heart to become hardened. There's one thing that, that the Bible says, you know, do not allow your hearts to become hardened. It also says, don't allow any root of bitterness to rise up within you, to strangle out what God wants to do. So we need to be vigilant about what the enemy wants to do and bring around about our lives. We're also told to be sober and to be vigilant. The adversary, the enemy, the devil is wanting to walk around. He's wanting to take people out. And, and church, as, as our brothers and sisters in Christ, as one that, that you would say, I'm going to love God with all my heart and all my soul and my strength. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. What things are you prepared to put aside? What things are you prepared to let go of that irk you to love other people and to bear with them? Make allowances for their faults. Make allowances for things that don't line up with your precepts and your way of doing things. I believe that we need, to be choo we need to choose to be bothered enough to make the effort. Getting to know another person's story. Why is that person like that? Why are they, why are they carrying this? What's their experience been? How did they come to faith in Christ? These are questions that we often don't even ask people. We just see them in church. Oh, yeah, they've been coming for a few months now. It's awesome. It's great. Fill in a row. That's great. But, you know, we can, we, we can focus on these things. Yet I believe what God wants us to focus on today is a commitment to love one another, get to know one another, get to know why, what makes that person tick. What was their story? How did they come to faith? What's their life experience been? How has God been good to them? Let's... Be bothered enough to make the effort. Number three, I believe that unity, not uniformity, is the goal. I don't want everyone to be wearing my clothes in my wardrobe. For some people, they wouldn't fit. But we're not, we're not designed to be clones. We're not designed to look the same and say all the same things and to think all the same things, to wear all the same things. I mean, that would almost be like a cult, wouldn't it? It'd be not good. That's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a diverse body. 
So we build unity, but not uniformity. I love the way this is put, and this is my last point today. Um, and this is from a website titled Cinnamon.network UK. And it says, too often we are encouraged to unite around various issues and in uniting with those who think like us. Isn't that true? We, we inevitably pitch ourselves against those who don't. This is where polarization begins. Sides are chosen and the battle lines begin to encourage others to move to our point of view. The thing is, it's easy to seek unity with those who look, think and feel the same way as you do than it is to be unified with those who have different points of view and alternative life experiences. However, when we do stop for a moment to see Jesus through the lens of someone else's experience, then we might just encounter God in a completely new way ourselves. How good is that? Someone that's a little bit different to you. Someone that, for whatever reason, there's something about that person that's just like, oh, I don't know about that person. Maybe just maybe there's something within them that you need. This is the body of Christ. Unity isn't about glossing over the differences and pretending they're not there. It's about facing up to them, accepting them, and loving each other anyway. We are all so different, yet God loves us in an amazing way. And that same love that He loves each one of us, He wants us to be givers of that love to other people. And I want to encourage us today, church, to be people that are so radically committed to loving others and to being part of this body that we don't allow factions, we don't allow personalities, we don't allow different points of view to be something that causes us to be separated, but we make an effort to be united in love. And in John chapter 17, verse 22, it says, I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Do you want to know something today? The world is still watching. Jesus wants his church to be this place again. That is that, that, that beacon to the lost. That those that are far away from God will be able to have an opportunity to come close and to come near to him. And we have the great honor of being part of that body that can love each other and be united if we are willing to do the hard work and the tough work of loving other people. Father, we just want to give you thanks that you are a loving God. You are a generous God. You're a God that laid down your life for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you've called us to be a people that walk in unity and walk in harmony with each other. So Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask, and, and I just want to make this our prayer, our corporate prayer today. Holy Spirit, help. Help us, Holy Spirit, to love those, Lord, that we are challenged to love. Help us, Holy Spirit, to forego our preferences, to forego those things. Lord, help us, Lord, not to major on the minors, but Lord God, to see love through all things, Lord. Help us to love like Jesus. Amen.